0: To another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. My name is Adam St. John, and my name is Ian Woodington. And uh, before we get to talking about the Four Hundred Blows and our recommends, just a quick uh, reminder: you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at A Thousand and One by One. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please like, rate, review. All the things that will put us into more people's earbuds and uh, and and radios and and things of that nature, uh, and you can support In, us at- into their Walkmans. Yes, exactly. Yes, their their uh, their Discmans, their Zunes.
1: People still have Zunes. I don't think so. Probably not. I, I still have nightmares about zoons because I was working <laughs> on campus when those fucking things came out. <laughs> That's, um, and you can also you can support the show at
0: Patreon.com/slash a thousand and one by one. Who's going first? I will. Okay, great. Ian, I didn't know what you're going to say, but yeah, what are you yeah, going to talk yeah, about?
1: I have Chernobyl, the HBO five-part miniseries, which apparently is now the greatest television show of all time, shot straight to the top of IMDb, dethroned Band of Brothers, Planet Earth, Breaking Bad. Uh, I don't know that I'd go that far, but it is a goddamn good miniseries. So yeah. Chernobyl, 1980, 1986, the... Uh, the Probably the worst man-made disaster in history—a a disaster that we will never know the final death toll on and the the far-reaching effects of it. But it, it stars um, Jared Harris, yes. who's Richard Harris's son, and then Alexander Skarsgård. Um, as they deal with the the fallout of this accident happening and trying to investigate it and contain it, it is just. The best six hours of TV that I have seen in over a decade. In fact, I haven't seen a miniseries this good since um, State of Play in 2003, which was later remade into an American movie with Russell Crowe and and Ben Ben Affleck, Affleck, which was just awful. I thought it was okay. That's probably because you haven't seen the series. Oh, that's probably fair. Yeah. The series is just huge for a six-parter. I mean, this thing literally has the kitchen sink in it. It's a family drama. It's a spy thriller. I mean, it's everything. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, Chernobyl, if you haven't seen it yet, I mean, I'm not going to talk that much about it because it seems like most of the you know television-watching population already have, but this series seriously rocked me, and I, it kept me up, man. I mean, this thing is just so well shot and so staggering. Episode 4 especially, there are some really tough stuff in that one. Oh, like, okay. this thing pulls no punches. The thing that blows my mind about it, Craig Mazin, the guy that created it and wrote it, and uh, produced it if you take a look at his filmography his first film as a screenwriter was the disney 1996 classic rocket man that's what he do you remember that movie yeah i, 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 bet you, see, I
0: know of it i didn't see I, it yeah, I bet, yeah
1: yeah exactly he doesn't have anything on rotten tomatoes before chernobyl that is rated over 50 percent. like he has struggled his entire career i mean i'm sure he's he's made money and you know this, that, and the other, because he's written some successful stuff, but from a critical standpoint, hasn't done really anything of note. He wrote the two Hangover sequels, which, honestly, I kind of I kind of liked three. They're, they're fine for what they do. Right. He wrote a couple of Melissa McCarthy comedies, including Identity Theft, the one she did with Jason Bateman. Yeah. Um, but this is really... What's so exciting to me about this is the possibility of, hey, stick it out, because one day you will find your niche, sure. no matter how the odds may seem stacked against you. He turned around, and after years of writing these these not-so-great comedies, created one of the greatest TV miniseries of all time. So, I mean, more power to him. What a, what a fantastic job. HBO were really, really brave on this one. Nice. And I honestly, I can't wait to watch it again. There you go. There you have
0: it. Yeah, I'm one of the people who uh, has not seen it yet. So... But I'm sure it's on your radar. Oh, I know. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. I mean, it's but it is you know we didn't watch we haven't watched the newest Stranger Things yet. There's another. Don't bother. Well, okay. we're probably still going to though. Uh, but you shouldn't. Okay. Um, so my recommend um, is a is a throwback, and it's something that I, I've never seen. And again, we try to find movies every once in a while that we can watch with our oldest. And I I've known about this movie's existence since 1999 when it came out, but I had never seen the iron giant
1: Uh, this is weird man i was just a couple of friends and liz we were talking about the iron giant last night this is crazy
0: yeah um and i loved it i thought it was really good so if you haven't seen it we follow um hogarth which is just just a great name i've never heard i've never heard anybody named hogarth and it's great anyway he's he's a young kid it's it's um post sputnik world um and uh, the sort of threat of something being in the sky is it's real to this world. And uh, he's out in the woods. He's kind of a troublemaker. And this literal big iron giant falls from the sky, and, and he discovers it. And we don't really know anything about the iron giant, you know, as as the movie starts. And we find out that it's it's a defensive machine. That it's it's actually a nice it's a nice giant uh, until you know, it sees a weapon. And there's a great scene where um, Hogarth is uh, had a, he has a fake gun and um the giant's eyes turn like red and it starts like shooting at him and he doesn't it's a it's literally a defense mechanism when he sees a weapon otherwise you know he's kind of being trained and 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 prepped as a nice nice giant and then um christopher mcdonald who you might know as shooter mcgavin plays the like fbi guy trying to investigate you know whether it exists and the voice acting's great too uh Vin Diesel, very very early. Vin Diesel's playing the voice of the Iron Giant. Jennifer Aniston plays the mom. Harry Connick Jr. plays like the the junkyard salvage owner slash artist in the movie. Um, it's it's a it's a weird character, but he's he's fun too. There's just so many great moments in the movie. I think it actually has a great message of acceptance and um, you know believing people at, at all ages about what they what they say and and and. Taking the time to learn about somebody before we judge them, and it's it's got great moments of comedy too. There's a great scene where, because the the giant basically is copying everything Hogarth does, and so they go swimming, and Hogarth does a cannonball into the lake, and then (laughs) the 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 giant does too. And like Harry Connick Jr.'s character is reading the paper, and he sees the like this tidal wave come up, and he basically just covers himself with the paper, and it washes him away, and he ends up in the middle of a road, and this this car comes up and drives behind him and like, Hey, he's like, Hey, what are you doing? And he's just frozen solid. And it's just the the longest take of staying on him. Like having lived through being washed
1: like a mile. I don't know. It's just
0: fun. Family I, I vaguely and,
1: remember. I think that moment was in most of the trailers of, of, of the promotional stuff for it. it. it I do it vaguely remember that. Um,
0: but it's, I, you know, and it I, seems I,
1: like it has kind of a cult following. It these does. Days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been reading this book. Um, it's called, uh, best 1999 best movie year ever um and uh, most of the movies in it I'd seen it's just kind of fun cuz he, he the the guy who wrote it I think his name is Brian Rafferty um he he interviewed like everybody associated with the movies that are in there um and Iron Giants in there and I realized as I was looking through it it was one of two movies that I hadn't seen from the from the book I was like oh what's the other one by the way uh is it called the um is it called the wood or um it's it's that kind of a coming of age uh, it's like, it's like these, it's a uh, Tate like Diggs and, um, Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Is it called the wood? I believe so. Yeah.
0: Um, anyways, that, that, that was the other one that I, I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I, it just, and, 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 we, we found it at half price books for like three bucks and I was like, well, if that's how much it's going to cost to rent, I might as well just buy it. And I'm glad I did cause Stella really enjoyed it too. And Melissa and I liked it and it's got a bunch of fun moments in it. it. It's just, it's a, it's a fun movie, but has a message and. No, no, yeah i just i was i was tickled by it i very much enjoyed it not as much as um spider-man into the spider-verse but in terms of animated things i've seen recently iron giant is it's good and it's brad bird um and it's it's a fun old kind of animation style it's really good it's i yeah because really it's still it's
1: it. still hand-drawn right yeah liz yeah. and i were just talking about this in connection with the iron giant conversation about how much we miss hand-drawn animation yeah yeah it's really good so anyways there you go
0: some totally polar opposite recommendations for you this week yeah but just, just, a, just a little bit yeah yeah just just a, just a wee bit um so we're here to talk about we haven't touched Truffaut yet
1: no here's what's funny you said you'd never seen a Truffaut film before right that is correct and I had said that also turns out we're both liars oh you've seen Fahrenheit 451 haven't you no didn't we I watch not. that in school I swear to god we watched that in Schrader's class man I don't think so I, I could have sworn we did.
0: Maybe I was sick
1: that day. Maybe. But yeah. we I've I've seen Fahrenheit 451, which is his first English language film. Oh. I, I, I swear we watched it in Schrader's class, man. Well, you might have been stoned. Oh, I wasn't smoking in those days. Oh, you weren't? Not oh, at okay. school. Ah. Anyway. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm just being a, a dick.
0: Um... <laughs> Uh, so no, I, I I don't I don't remember that. But anyway, well okay, well we on this podcast have not touched Truffo yet, um in any real capacity. So uh, we decided to talk about the 400 blows, Ian.
1: This title, man. Okay, so here's a little here's a little backstory on the title.
0: I just want to <laughs> say we would have gotten to this, but Ian was very adamant before recording that we touch
1: it now. Yeah, let's just deal with it. Okay, because we're at the title. Yeah. So, the English title is a is a literal translation of the French that fails to capture its meaning, as the French title refers to the idiom meaning to raise hell. Mm-hmm. So, the, the title is faire les quoi secours. I'm probably butchering the that French. Sounded, I thought that sounded great. Yeah, right? I mean, I did three years of French. Did Don't you? Don't ask me to speak any of it. That's fine. It's all gone. Yeah. But anyway, the, the literal translation would mean to raise hell. Um, so there were some on the first prints that were sent to the states uh, a subtitler named uh, Noel Gilmore gave the film The Wild Oats but the distributors didn't like that and so they defaulted for who knows what reason to the translation of the Finnish and Swedish titles which um, when you translate it from from their title it literally means like the 400 practical jokes Yeah, it's like the 400 Slagen. But it, that that doesn't really work either, and so when you translate that, it means the four hundred blows, and so that's what they went with. it just it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, know, I like I like the title to raise hell. You could have well, called it. Well, I guess you couldn't have called it Hellraiser.
0: Yeah, oof, that would. We back then you could. Back then you could have, would, you could
1: have gotten yeah, away with that. Yeah. Then Clive Barker would have had to come up with another name for his terrible series of fucked up horror movies. Who the, the, the hell knows one, what the yeah. hell is going on in those films? That's fair. You know what's funny? I. I it's one of it's one of. Like, I don't mind
0: the title, like as a title, because but it I, has
1: no bearing on anything that happens in the film.
0: Not you know not uh, not exactly, but like to think of blows as things that can just like impact. Like you know, think about all the shit that he
1: that Antoine deals with as he goes through, like. Oh, so you're looking at it as in a in a physical sense. look at the well, blows that he takes physical,
0: but but like not
1: but not just physical. like right, like the stuff he that keeps knocking him back. Yes, right? Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. um, and, and when I read because I read exactly what you just read, and i I was like, well, that's we couldn't have we couldn't have stayed more true to what was intended. That seems pretty lazy, but. But also, as, as titles go, I don't, I don't mind it. I think, it, it, when you know what it is, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
1: And I couldn't find anything about Truffaut trying to make an active stance of, of correcting anybody, so he must have been happy with it. Like yeah, or I not mean, cared. Yeah, there is, I mean, there's there's that too. Who knows? So anyways, so um yes, uh,
0: the 400 blows, as it is called. Uh, it is. It is uh, written, directed by uh, Francois Truffaut. Um, it was also. It was adapted by who I believe is a friend of his, and I, I don't want to say mousy, because I'm sure it's not what it is, but it's like
1: Mose or. Yeah, that he gets a gets a dialogue credit. Yeah, yeah. Um. So uh, Truffaut has a couple other films in the book. Yes. Yes. I just had not gotten there yet. Oh, um. He has sorry. shoot the piano player. I didn't mean to step on your toes. No, there, it's fine. Friend. I fuck me. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's getting late in the evening He's folks. got he's got four other movies in the book. He's got Shoot the Piano Player, Jules and Jim, Day for Night and The Last Metro. At least two of those are Criterion
1: other than the 400 Blows I believe. Day for it, Night it, is it, it, Day for Night's in there is Jules and Jim must be in there. Uh,
0: yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I thought and those so those shoot,
1: shoot so Shoot the Piano oh, Okay, well, there you go. Shoot the Piano Player is in there also. Um, and he also starred in Close Encounters. Yes, he did. Yes, He, that was, a, he has co- a great which, part. Which yeah.
0: was my first real, I mean, introduction to Charles yeah. Truffaut.
1: Yeah, he's great in it, and he gets to have that fun back and forth with with Bob Balaban throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: I um, also just because I don't think we've done this in a while. Great Criterion restoration on the 400 Blows.
1: Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was oh, lovely. Yeah. Oh yeah, looks looks incredible, and it's got the distinction of being a uh, very low numbered criterion. Five. You know, because we've just come past the thousand. Did you see what the announcement for the thousand? The, the, the big Godzilla box. Are you going to pick that up? I have zero interest. I've never seen
0: any of the originals. Yeah. It's like I want to for the spine number, but I'm like, that seems really stupid
1: to just do that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a real kind of crowd pleaser. That was not what I was expecting yeah. for the number of thousand. But anyway, it's number five yep. in the collection. It's right next to. I have the list of the first five. A Marcord. Is that four? Uh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I know the first few. Grand Illusion
0: is one. Seven Samurai is two. The Lady Vanishes is three. Yeah, there you go. Amarcord. Yeah. This and then this. And I think I have six, but I don't. I don't. I
1: don't know. You're not actually going for all a thousand, are you?
0: No. Oh, oh God. No. That yeah. would mean that would mean owning Sallow, and fuck that.
1: Yeah. No. That would mean that. No.
0: Uh, no. 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 I just. I. I. Yes. That's not going to be a thing. So, uh, some, some accolades. Oh, no, wait. I'm skipping the cast. What am I doing? Um, so, this movie has, a v- oh, God, a wonderful performance from Jean-Pierre... I don't know how to say his last name. Léod. Léod, mm-hmm. uh, who plays our lead. He plays Antoine. Um, and he would go on to play him several more times. They which, did a
1: series of these films. Which I want
0: to talk about, because I, I didn't know that when when I first yeah, saw no, him, it. Yeah, neither did I, yeah. Um,
1: uh, Claire Marier plays um his... They give her a name in the credits, uh, Gil, it, and it kind of sounds like a guy's name, Gilberte. Yeah, uh, his mom. Yeah, his and mom. She's, she's an anomaly is the only other thing I know her. Oh from. really? Oh yeah.
0: great. Um, uh, Albert Ram- Re- Albert Rame, uh plays his dad, and then I I also wrote down uh, Patrick Affé who plays his friend Renee. Um, I know there's he's got his two teachers. Who I also wrote down. Yeah,
1: Guy de Guy de Comble. Mm-hmm. as uh they didn't really give him a name i just i have in quotation sourpuss because ah, that's what they keep referring nice. to him i think nice. i think it's it's the french teacher and the english teacher yes. is what yeah. what they actually are yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and then yeah there's some you know Truffaut was in it and some of the other people like uncredited things but i mean that's uh, that's the the cast it's movie not cycles huge... around his family and then i think i think um renee is in it quite a bit too um but yeah that's that's who's in this movie um accolades This was uh, nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards.
1: And it lost to a goddamn Rock Hudson Doris Day pick. It it lost to uh, to Pillow Talk. And also, uh, there were some other uh, really
0: good movies nominated that year. It's kind of astounding, the other movies that were nominated. Uh, So I haven't seen all of these, but um, in terms of Best best Original Screenplay, uh, other movies that lost were North by Northwest and Wild
1: Strawberries. Also lost to Pillow Talk. That is, man, that's Isn't a weird that, year. Doesn't that hurt your heart? Yeah, a little bit. It just, it like bit. stings. Yeah, that sucks.
0: And I haven't seen Pillow Talk, but I'm, I, I think we can confidently say. Yeah, that.
1: I don't, I don't think I need to see Pillow yeah, Talk. Yeah. I don't think I need to see any Rock Hudson Darsay pick. <laughs> I know, I'm sure there's some cinephiles <laughs> listening to this that go, ah. Oh. And they've lost a lot of respect for me. I, yeah, I don't well, care. But
0: guess what? Rock Hudson's probably in the book a couple times. I'm sure yeah. we'll get to it, yeah. and we can make a more informed decision then. Yeah. But but but.
1: But for now. But fuck that man! Wild strawberries. These, yeah. Are you? Kidding? I haven't seen it, but but I know I know it's Bergman, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's good. I like Bergman. He did that the same, either the same year or the year after he did Seven Seal. Like that was like the his big one-two punch. Yeah. That's I mean close to. And come on. And then. Um, this
0: and north by northwest that, yeah. that's that's tough that's yeah. a tough beat that's a weird year man um anyway, it did really well at can yes it did it won uh director it lost the palm door to black orpheus and then um what what's the long one it won
1: it didn't have a, it has like a, a weird Oh, the International Catholic Organization Thank of Cinema you. Award. Thank it's you. It's like the yes. prize of the ecumenical jury now. It's like the ver- yes. v- previous version of that. I,
0: I unfortunately only had the uh, the acronym, and I was like, oh,
1: shit. I don't oh, know what this means. You I don't messed want up. I'm man. not just going to fucking put that out there. Oh, you dropped the ball.
0: Um, and that's, it, all, that's for actually well, The it, BAFTAs. It was
1: at the BAFTAs in 61, again, because it wasn't released until 60 in yeah. the UK. It lost best film to The Apartment, and it lost um, most promising newcomer to Albert Finney. For uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning,
0: which I haven't seen, but that, that's
1: like a pinnacle piece of, of British cinema. Yeah,
0: um, and and you know, it's I do I do really enjoy The Apartment. I'm not
1: I'm not mad that it, that this lost. To that's the a apartment. Jack Lemmon, right? Yeah. I haven't seen The Apartment. It's
0: really I love it.
1: Is that it, is the alcoholic in that one? No, that's The Lost Weekend.
0: Yeah, and that's not Jack Lemmon. No. Yeah, are you um, sure? Yeah, I'm very that that dude. That's like 1945.
1: That's um. It's not Jack Lemon. Lemon did a very serious performance as an alcoholic. So yes, around not, that time. It's not the Last Weekend. No, it's okay. not the
0: Last Weekend. All right. Um, God, it's gonna bump. I can't believe I. It's Ray Meland. is no. the Last Weekend. Oh, okay. Ah, I'm so glad I pulled that. Yeah. Um. Nice job. Thank you uh but yeah yeah the BAFTAs were at other places I, and I didn't write anything I didn't write anything else down in terms of, well in terms of the, best those. foreign
1: film at the New York film critic circle and big. the only other one I have is best European film from the 1960 Bodils which is a Denmark award ceremony yeah
0: uh, I have it on the IMDb 250 we were off by one last week uh or uh, a couple weeks ago The week, yeah, boss. Yeah. um 211 211 there we go yeah yeah, so, yeah and, and so it's on the, uh, the IMDb 250, which is great. Um, it's got a perfect 100% critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and 94 audience.
1: Um, and it still remains, well, uh, up through all the other films he made, it was Truffaut's most successful film. So the way that they do things in some European countries is they don't go off of box office... As, as far as a figure goes, but they'll do admissions. Sure. And, and over yeah, yeah. 4 million people went and saw this film, which I think is the right way to do things, especially when you talk about inflation and this yeah, whole it's... war that happened with Endgame being put yes. out again. For the sole purpose of just sheer greed and wanting to top Avatar, no other reason to re-release it. What was it? Had the eight minutes of who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty masturbatory and uh, ego yeah. checking right there. Exactly. Yeah. We should just... Do it by admissions. How many people went and saw it? That's far more important than the money. But well, and I bet, I bet too,
0: if you looked at that, that Avatar would be much lower because of how much it costs to see like a movie in IMAX, 3D, like the way that it was intended to be seen. Versus... It's like seventeen bucks, yeah. man. Yeah, that's 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 a tough beat. Um, I do you have any kind of reviews? Because I I didn't do that. You didn't do the review. No. I, I, you didn't find
1: Bosley Crowther's review.
0: I did, I went a different route, my friend.
1: We, well, we love Bosley Crowther on the show, and so I will do the honors and I will read from Mr. Bosley Crowther. Thank you so much. Writing for the New York Times, and on the 17th of November, 1959, he said, Let it be noted without contention that the crest of the flow of recent films from the new wave of young French directors hit these shores yesterday with the arrival at the fine arts theater of the 400 blows of Francois Truffaut. Not since 1952, with René Clément's Forbidden Games, with which this extraordinary little picture of Mr. Truffaut most interestingly compares, have we had from France a film that so brilliantly and strikingly reveals the explosion of a fresh creative talent in the directorial field amazingly this vigorous effort is the first feature of truffaut who had previously been of all things a movie critic for a french magazine but for all his professional inexperience and youthfulness at the age of 27 truffaut has here turned out a picture that might be deemed a small masterpiece the final line of his review says here is a picture that encourages an exciting refreshment of faith in films
0: and the the fact that he's a film critic is interesting in a way in a different way but it does remind me a little of tarantino where not not any real practical training he just watched enough movies and wanted to make something and I I just I like that. I think that's 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 a fun. So yeah, just do it. Yeah, just do right. it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny for us. Um so no, I and it's not that I have anything crazy different. I just I I took the last paragraph of um the essay from The Criterion Close to Home by Annette uh, Insdorf. Um and she says and it's just it's I it's not it's it's just kind of a, a summation, but I it says that um that the 400 blows is a record, even an exorcism of personal experience, is first alluded to in Antoine's scribbling of self-justifying doggerel on the wall while, while being punished. On a larger scale, we can see the film as Truffaut's poetic mark on the wall, or his attempt to even the score. In the last scene, the sea washes away Antoine's footprints as the film cleans the slate. Although that final image is indelible, I'm not going to jump to that final image yet. Uh, but we will uh, find a chat about that. Um. So this movie, again, it, it's I don't know. I feel like it's not the most complicated. It's very much slice of life. We basically just follow Antoine through his his days at school. Um. And his not, days not going to school. And yeah, not, yeah, and and not doing the best while he's there, and his sort of contentious relationship with his parents, and ultimately running away multiple times. Uh. I'm really gonna just fl- and then he ultimately is sent to like a um like a reform it's like school. a juvenile
1: reform yeah facility yeah
0: and uh, he basically breaks out of that as well
1: and we're left wondering
0: what does he do next
1: well we don't have to wonder because well, he would go on to make uh, a couple of these well then
0: let's, then let's okay then let's talk about this now because I what I knew about this movie was that final shot. That was that that's in terms of like, you know, top 10 lists of endings or whatever. Like I've seen this come up multiple times, the the freeze frame and the the um, the zoom in on his face. And so when I when I watched the movie the first time and we ended there. I I really liked the fact that it it seemed like, well, it's going to let us make up what happens next. Like he's made it he's made it to the water. You know, I think it mentions he hasn't seen the ocean. Right. So it's like, oh, it's something he's he's here and. I know he had he had to do this thing but can he maybe turn his life around in a different way does he need anybody's help or is it like a is it a look of like okay, I came here but now what like is he is he desperate for the cycle to repeat I don't like knowing that they made a bunch of movies cuz then it makes up my and I haven't seen them but it makes up then it doesn't let me do that Well the other thing is you don't you don't have to watch them No no I'm aware yeah. I I know and, and like I can still I I don't know that I'll watch I don't know that I will watch them but you're right. I, I get to still have that experience, and that, that is how I think about it. But it's a little unfortunate that Truffaut went and then made a series of movies to sort of continue telling the story, for what it's worth. Yeah, because it's it's a wonderful, ambiguous ending. Yeah. And it's funny. We were talking last week <laughs> about Elephant, and I, I wasn't the biggest fan of how long some of those shots were. But in this
1: movie, there were some long shots, but they... I, I didn't mind them. Well, here's the deal. Kurosawa called it some of the best. He said it was one of the most beautiful films he'd ever seen. So if it's good enough for Kurosawa, it's good enough for me. I love that tracking shot when he escapes. Oh, me too. I'm just too. running down the street. And the great thing about pulling out the music. Yeah. So it's just him running. Yeah. And then when he does get to the ocean.
0: Well, and I, I, I mean, what I, love about, what I love about that long shot is, is that we're, we're watching him run. It's a long, I mean, he's jogging. Sure, he's not like sprinting for his life, but he's still running. And we stay with him for quite a long time that we see how relentless this is. It's not just a quick escape. He's not just there. This is taking time. And it's it's the kind of long shot that you appreciate because it, it's also telling the story. It's not trying to be fancy. It's actually furthering like the character story going on of how exhausting this is so yeah i agree i really yeah like it that.
1: reminded me in that sense of yeah because you can have flashy long takes that don't do anything to advance story, but it reminded me a little bit of the the couple that are in children of men yeah which do that so well yes we're gonna do something so technically crazy that it's gonna blow your mind but we're also advancing the story while we do it yeah so it does serve a purpose we're not being flashy just for the sake of it
0: oh and and this came up I, i'm pretty sure i brought this up um when we talked about eight and a half
1: but the 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 redubbing later Well this this was well as we talked about in eight and a half and I'm really glad you brought that up because in my notes I have this is what I wanted from eight and a half and didn't get. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. At the at the end of the movie that, that was like the final note that I took. Um But yeah, with that it's that's just the way they made films in Italy. With this it was a, a cost thing. Like it was too expensive. And too arduous for them to like carry around all the sound equipment, so they're like, "We'll just dub it later." But the issue is with eight and a half is he rewrote the dialogue between shooting it and dubbing it, and so that's why it's such a pain in the ass to try yeah. and watch. Whereas with this, they just they just put in the sound later. Yeah,
0: uh, and, that, and that that's a that's a, that's just a stupid nitpicky thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't take away my enjoyment of and I of the and movie. I didn't
1: even it's it's done well enough that yes, I didn't even notice exactly. Um,
0: so. One of my first thoughts is I, I actually really enjoyed all the obscured
1: shots of the Eiffel Tower to start. Oh, yeah. I So, okay. So here's – I was enchanted from the very beginning. I love the score for this thing. and I Me think, too. I think that's my unsung hero is, is the music. I'll go with is, that. Is uh, John Constantine who did the music. Yeah, um, he didn't do a lot of other scores, but he did. His stuff has been used in all kinds of things, from like Mad Men to La Vie en Rose to Irreversible. I some of his music that. is yeah, in yeah. there, but you know of yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the Dreamers, the the Bernardo Bertolucci picture. Some of his music is in that as well, okay. which kind of makes sense because that's set in the '60s during the French New Wave kind of thing that was going on. But yeah, no, I was, I was in from the very second. Those shots of the Eiffel Tower being obscured yeah. and reappearing behind, yeah. This is very much to, to show you, this is a French story. Yes. But the, I, also, it doesn't have to be a French story, because I, I connected with this kid right away. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's the thing I was going to say, too, is, is... There's a timelessness to it. Yeah, I was going to say the fact that
0: this movie was made when it was, and yet... I can think back to my time at being that age and maybe not to the extent of stealing like a typewriter from and trying to hawk it but the like the um what it was it's it's early on right where they're looking at the magazine of the woman and it's like, God man young boys are just going to want to try to see naked ladies it's just
1: that, it's just what it's it is.
0: just a thing and it seems maybe again maybe it's one of those painfully obvious things that we just that never gets said. But that 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 seems to be a timeless thing. I mean, it, just the idea of like get finding a magazine and like googling it. It's just you know because
1: at that age you're just thinking with your penises and and it. <laughs> this is going to turn into a gush fest. I can already tell.
0: Well, I, I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Why am I?
1: I I fucking love this movie. Francois Truffaut is my new director crush. <laughs> I utterly adored this film I, I like I said I was hooked from those titles um, I loved that he dedicated it to that friend of his on the magazine Andre Bazin who died yeah. right after they started production I actually have a little tangent if that's okay I yeah. have a quote of his so he was Andre Bazin he founded the Cashiers du Cinema magazine which is you know he befriended Truffaut when Truffaut was about 15 and so you can see a little bit of their relationship in in Antoine and the and the Rene character yeah um, and I can tell you for a fact I had I did sneak out of school to go to the movies rather than to go to school I, I did that a couple of times that's fair and so I I connected with that as well yeah uh, anyway so his um bazin had this quote about adaptations and you know my stance on when people say they didn't like a movie and they go oh it's not the book well, well yeah it's a movie it's an adaptation <laughs> yeah. if you want the book go read the fucking book I'm it's out so, there yeah. I'm so sick of people using that as an argument that's not an argument to trash a movie trash the movie because it's not a good movie don't sure, just say yeah. it's not the book anyway so this is what he said about adaptations and it's this is the quote I've been looking for my entire life <laughs> so the next time I hear that This is what I'm going to say. It is nonsense to wax wroth about the indignities practiced on literary works on the screen, at least in the name of literature. After all, they cannot harm the original in the eyes of those who know it, however little they approximate to it. As for those who are unacquainted with the original, one of two things may happen. Either they will be satisfied with the film, which is as good as most, or they will want to know the original with the resulting gain for literature. Perfection. Yeah. That quote is perfection. Yep. I like, yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. Did do, you find anything not to like in this film? Well, let's so let's. I mean, I don't know.
0: I I it, I, I certainly took a lot of notes because this was the first time I'd seen it, and I found a lot of things that I just wanted to. Um, I mean, maybe not write like mention every single thing,
1: but um, you know. So let's let's talk about. The, the, I guess the, uh, the the relationship with the teacher. And the teacher is so great. If I had to pick an unsung hero on screen, sure, it's the French teacher.
0: I I. It you know it, it's just the things that felt real. Like I remember being in seventh grade, and having a teacher who, when she she did, it wasn't like turning her back, but there was this like side workroom where she'd go in to grab things, and we would break crayons in half and and just chuck them at each other while she was gone. And the second she came back in, we dropped back down, got to work. Again, there's, there's for whatever reason, there's a timelessness to like mischievous boy stories that seems to just run rampant. This, uh, I would say it's not a negative, but my a big question I have is, do women respond to this movie in the same way? Because there are parts of it that feel very like the familial stuff, and you know him seeing his mom. Uh, kiss another guy and then there's the the his his talking to the psychiatrist at the end which is, god damn that is my favorite part of the movie that
1: is uh, that's fantastic and, and that's actually part of his audition, audition process which is yes. great yeah. yes uh, and a brilliant a brilliant idea to put that in the movie the story that he tells about having almost having the experience with the prostitute yes. that i i love that and
0: I because Melissa. This is the one movie of this this batch of recording that Melissa didn't see with
1: me. Yeah, Liz didn't see this one with me either. So it would have been. It, it sucks that we don't have a female perspective yeah. to throw on this thing. But I was. Expo- I have to imagine that they they would. I feel like going to school, guy or girl, there are certain things that are universal. Yes.
0: Yeah, I agree. I it's so it's just so heavily male that I just wonder if some of the stuff would not, not not ring true, but but um spark our enthusiasm that we have in in them. But when he's do, when he's being, in, not interrogated, but when he's being questioned by Truffaut, but in, in the realm of the movie the, the Psychiatrist, he's doing this thing where he's not really looking up a lot and he's, like, scratching the table. Like, he's just, there's something so innocent and real about that. I just, I, I dug that so much. It, it, it just, it felt really genuine. The Antoine character, Jean-Pierre, I just... I thought he was great. There didn't seem to be a false moment
1: from him in the movie. No, and he he has so much work. The whole film... He's in, what, every scene in that movie? Yeah. To some degree. Uh, I mean, it is a huge burden that he has to shoulder, literally carrying this film. And yeah. he has so many good... My... One of my favorite moments is where he breaks the ice in the fountain when he's... You know, he's left to wander... Oh, man. ...alone. Yeah. And when he breaks the ice to wash his face in the fountain, I'm like... that. That he ages in that moment so much. This is not something a child would do. No. Because I mean, he's out alone and it's Christmas time. Yes. And... Which, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. But it's just, I I feel like his performance transcends his age. Yeah. Oh, big time. So big much. Time. Yeah.
0: And again, another thing that reminded me of being that age. Like, I remember being, I'm not sure how old he is in the movie yeah, they
1: don't really specify. I'm gonna have to, this is probably about seventh or eighth grade. Would be I would say he seemed like
0: twelve or thirteen, yeah. maybe around there. But I remember being that age and thinking I was so much older than I was, and but thinking I was no.
1: And you definitely get that sense from this.
0: But but then when you when you know when when the rubber beats the road and he decides to 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 leave, he he's you know really making those decisions. I mean, he's forcing himself to to do that to to break the ice so he can wash his face and s- steal the milk and sleep in that that newspaper printing uh factory which of course doesn't pan out. Yes, his performance was 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 astounding. And I I really I really enjoyed
1: his his parents in this too. Oh, the the folks are so good. Yeah. The 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 I love the juxtaposition of the mom being so hard on him and the, him being such a burden to her and the dad being a bit more jovial and trying to always lighten the mood. There's a line that I had to take down where it's where he asks for money. He needs money for lunch and he's yeah. like it's only I only need 1000 francs and he's oh, like therefore you hope for 500 therefore you need 300 so here's 100 yeah. and he's like now go on have 500 just don't tell your mom. Yeah. That I was like oh, I love that so much. I care I I love the dad. I care about the dad so much more than I do the mom. Yeah. Yeah. But there is there is moments you know, after she, she 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 bathes him and she gets him all warm again after he's been out in the cold and she tries to reason with him. Yeah. You know, and I've had conversations like that with my mom and it just, that broke me down where she's relating to him and telling him stories about her own youth and things like that. That's, if I wasn't already in, which I was, that would have gotten me. Sure. That yeah. really touched a note with me, the, the dynamic there.
0: And- I, I, just because we kind of, we were just kind of talking about his age, I wonder how old the character is supposed to be. Because I will say that felt weird if he's 12, 13 and he's naked and she, like, because it did it did feel a little like you shouldn't be seeing your naked son at this age.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: I mean, and, and again, a nitpicky thing. I mean, but it's also I, a different culture. I, and, no, exact, and that, exactly. Exactly. He
1: may be playing younger than we think. He Ex- is, exactly,
0: right? and that's what's it's unclear because you talk about the maturity he has to reach deciding to basically go live on the streets and yet we do get this scene where he's very he's being taken care of as a small child in this way. Yeah, there's
1: a lot of vulnerability yeah to that. Yeah. And I also what I what I love what I really loved about this film is all the research that I in reading that I did about it and how personal it was for Troffeau, how yeah. much this mirrored his own life mm-hmm. and how much this film put an even bigger strain on his relationship with her, with his parents because of how close to the truth it was. He himself was born out of wedlock and given away. And then when his grandparents died, he had to come back. Yep. And the mother didn't want him and treated him like shit. And then she had a, another child with the the guy that she was with that gave Francois his, his last name. Yes. And then that child died. And so then they started taking it out on him. And they apparently did go on vacations without him and just leave him, home alone while they vacationed as and the whole, the point of the film being shot in the winter and set at Christmas is because they did leave him alone on a Christmas mm. so that my heart just aches even more for, for Truffaut. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: that I, I was going to mention, I did like the, the very subtle way they let us know that it was Christmas time. I think it was just like a, a shot of a Christmas tree at one. Like it yeah, was, and he passes a, a yeah. shot window. Yes. that has got yeah. stuff and, and, in but it. But it wasn't like that. We didn't hear carolers or it's They're not like
1: a Shane black movie. <laughs> Which one? All of them? Yeah, oh, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there were things I, I
0: the um again I I yeah, it's 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 not it's not that I'm gushing. I'm just finding a lot of things that I found that I could relate to that that I know I've done myself and like the one that I I I know that I've done as a kid was that that pretending to be asleep when the parents like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know how many times whether it's just like you know, you, you, you were, you know, a, a parent came into the room and like wanted to say something to you, but you close your eyes or like, you know, like you're asleep and you're pretending to not hear what's going on to the next. Like, just
1: that felt so, so genuine. Like, I just, I know what that's like. Oh, and him sleeping. He doesn't really have a bed. He sleeps in the hallway yeah. you know, in a sleeping bag. I mm-hmm. mean, that's And he was, well, there's a fight between the parents where he's like, I thought you were going to buy sheets for the kid. Oh, he likes
0: to sleep in the sleeping bag. Don't yeah. you? yeah
1: I just oh man the mother just drove me nuts yeah there is a there is one thing that did leave me wanting towards the end Mm -hmm. where she comes and said this is it this is your last straw now you're going to the juvenile detention facility and your father's not here because he's given up on you kind of thing I I kind of wanted another moment with it because the dad has been so jovial and so supportive I wanted to see the father kind of not break down but to have that moment where maybe he's driven the mother there but he refuses to come in. Yeah. That's that was that's my only I I just want one more beat with the dad.
0: That's fair and you know I wonder too if if it's more up to us to decide to decide if something like that happened where he he's there just not in the room or if he refused to drive at all. Part of me even wondered did did he know about this trip? I mean is he actually done with him or was this something the mom just came on our own i mean and again we're filling in something that we didn't know
1: specifically but you know but for all its dark moments this film has some great moments of levity
0: when the two kids are just kind of doing their thing I, th- yeah i can't but be- you know, not surprise me a little bit the uh, I, and i only know it as it was called when i went to it but the gravitron the- oh the the centrifuge yes yes i didn't realize that was a thing that existed back then yeah, and it looks like it's moving at quite a
1: clip. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I did, uh, but I remember, I remember being on that ride at the, at a fair and doing what he was doing, like trying, oh, trying, to, trying flip to turn upside up. down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, one of the one of the moments of levity that I love is with the the prostitutes in the jail. One of them says, "I've seen better prostitutes. I've seen better jails on television." The other one says, "I've been in better jails." And then the third one comes in, and I'm the nice one, or something like that. Is what I don't remember what the subtitle thing is, but it's just a weird little beat. That you don't need, but fuck it, let's put it in there anyway. Yeah, I and I, I yeah, all the stuff with him
0: like being behind bars and then being in the I don't know the paddy wagon with with everybody, with the actual people. You know what I mean? It's it's that was that was some great silent moments, just just of letting us sit in with the fact that the, I mean we might not. It might look fairly innocent what he's doing in terms of you know it's not too criminal. He's not really trying to hurt anybody. And yet now he's in a position where he's literally behind bars and being tra- treated like a real criminal. And I-, I appreciated, at least in that way, the real way it showed the outcome of somebody and when they don't have anybody who-, who believes in them. And that that's, I think, ultimately what I found the most heartbreaking was that it's, this kid is so young and he's not, I don't, I didn't see him actively trying to be bad, in quotes, you know? But you've got to have somebody to, to believe in you. And, and it was, you're right, it was the dad character. And then, you know, if, if you're in that reform school place and you're told, no, he's he's done. He's,
1: you know, you're not going to see him again. That's tough. I mean, you just, yeah, you just you just feel bad so, I for him. I had, I had no context for this. I didn't know about the final shot. I didn't know where the movie was going. And so... Yeah, I wanted to believe that there was hope as well and that he would turn his life around. And the moment where that happens for me is after the mom bathes him and then tells her, her story and then tries to bribe him to do better. Yeah. And he actually takes it upon himself to try and do better. And then you turn around and find out that he plagiarized Balzac. Yeah. For that, that my heart sinks. Because I genuinely believe that he would try to do better. And he makes his little shrine... To to ball sack yeah. and lights it on fire, unfortunately. Which is not, but, which is not good. but
0: the second he let that, that candle I was like I can This, is, this not is not going no, yeah. No. Where the no, dad
1: threatens no. him with the lighter. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I gotta say too, I, I've n i have I mean, I to be to be slapped in front of your classmates.
1: Yeah, that's a big moment. I was just I was like, Oh
0: shit. And I
1: mean, I'm not just slapped, but like the once with the front yeah. of the hand and then coming back with the back of the hand, like a proper like it, it, yeah, it it was very clear that
0: I mean from 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 Antoine. Antoine thank you. I was say Andre. That wasn't right. From Antoine's perspective, you could tell that 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 would sent. I mean, there's no way he was gonna go home. You know, this was the one thing. You know, one person he really could come home to, and now he's too damn
1: scared to do it. Yeah, that was tough. That was a tough moment. So yeah, what else, man? Oh, just any other little things. There's a moment I love where the teacher goes to call on him. He says, Antoine. Oh, he said, Well, he says his last name. He says, Donnell. Yeah. He's like, wait, never mind. And then he calls on somebody else.
0: Oh, well, that's because of the excuse. Yeah.
1: That I can't believe worked. Oh, the dead mother? Yes. Yeah, ridiculous.
0: I'm a little... I wouldn't say that it's lazy story writing. I, I think I'm more surprised that the teacher believed it so easily. Well, it's you have to have something big like that so that you can get to the slap. Oh, of of course. Yeah. It's I mean just in, I mean in the moment at least you're wondering this teacher's been a hard ass and he's going to buy the no note because my mom died? If your mom died, don't be there. I I I mean again years later and that's nitpicky but that, that was a bit absurd <laughs> although a little uh, um a little piece of research i've had, it was, it's in the criterion essay um and I, I i have the quote so i might as well just read it so i don't fuck this up um it is not surprising that one of the dominant although subtle motifs in Truffaut's work is paternity in the 400 blows the class in english pronunciation revolves around a question that can be articulated only with difficulty where is the father a phrase that resonates both with the film and in the director's life, which goes back to what you talk about, about true real life. But it's true that, that, that it's the question is, where is the father? And you can't print. it. They're saying Faza and not father, which is a fun little bit that's happening there too. Although it, the other bit is funny too, where they're trying to say beach and they're saying bitch, which is like,
1: yeah, that's just a fun, little, fun play little play on, on translation and but stuff. That's great. But it's
0: funny. Yeah, you're right. With the, that, of all the questions that we can come into then learning in French class, it's where is the father? And then, of course, we find out later on through his little personal confession to the psychiatrist that we don't we don't know. Yeah. We, we don't know where is the father.
1: Well, that's And that's what makes this film, again, so timeless for me is that balance between the moments of levity and the, sh- the melancholy that runs through this thing all the way through. Yeah, you know, there's another moment where the it follows the gym teacher and it's shot up high and it watches the kids break <laughs> off. That's that's great. That I mean, great. you could argue you don't need that, but it's just a, just a little moment to like punctuate the tension that's running through this film and even the music. Like I said, the My Own song Hero is is the score for this film. There, it does have its jovial moments, but there are. There is a melancholy that runs through the score as well. Yeah. And a, and a longingness and a, and a wanting for those missing pieces in your life. Uh, maybe I'm reading into no. it too much. But it's also the moments where they don't have music.
0: Yes. Well, it's funny. And I don't, I don't mean to It equip-
1: doesn't feel like a first film. This is no. crazy. Yeah, exactly. Nobody makes a first film this good. Yeah. This was... Even, even as much as I love Ridley Scott and the Duelists, nobody makes a first film this fucking good.
0: Well, and I wonder... I mean, I think because... I, I, I mean, he's a film critic. He he's studied film. He knows this, but it's also so personal that, I mean, it, it, the, I mean, it's so personal that this movie either works tremendously well or it just becomes self-indulgent and it falls flat.
1: And I'm, you know, I I personally believe I've, that it, it. Other than the gym teacher thing, there's nothing in it for me that's that seems overindulgent.
0: indulgent Oh, I didn't even find that. I didn't
1: I didn't find that. I I think you could make an argument for that being indulgent. Sure. Well, and, and if I'm going to play devil's advocate. Sure.
0: You know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the Wizard of Oz, I I found myself thinking that that movie was about it's about an hour and a half, but it feels so long. It feels like a
1: slog. Well, yeah, this well this is the same length as Wizard yes, of Oz. Yes,
0: but I was going to say this one it it felt long in a different way. Like it like I when it got done, I I was expecting to see that like three hours had passed because it felt like such a journey. But in a good way, I didn't feel like three hours went by. I expected three hours to have gone by, and when I realized that it was only an hour and an hour like hour forty, I was I was genuinely like, "Wow, that was pretty quick." Because it's so it's so segmented, and every every little scene piece seems to have so much weight to it. You know, the whole stealing the typewriter and trying to hawk it, and then the guy can't hawk it and wants money anyway. Like I love, and then there's a cop down there. We could I just, just that's that's a whole moment, right? And then there's the moment of him at his friend's house and everything to do with that. And the, the dad, himself- oh, the horse, the yes. that, that
1: fake horse that was worth millions supposedly. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so ridiculous. And the, the fact that the, the dad comes in and smells the cigars and he's like, I'm going to deduct the cost of three cigars from your allowance. <laughs> I was like that. I love that. And the, where's your mother? Oh, your mother always seems to never be here. She's hiding something from me like that. I like the, I mean, these, the, the juxtaposition of the two parents, you know what i mean so he's you could argue that antoine even though his mother is so overbearing there is love however small there is there is a there are loving moments from them and he chooses to act the way he does whereas this rené kid has everything given to him he's not the one that goes to the juvenile detention center for acting out it's the kid looking for love you know what i mean it's the the irony of that
0: yeah i mean you know you wonder too i mean how much this movie is is hinting at or making any kind of comment on any kind of socio-political class that you are and also i mean i read that this there was kind of a another motif or or another topic that this was trying to broach was the french juvenile system and and whether or not it,
1: it was doing what it should well and they make a statement about that about the kid that escapes and then immediately comes back and tells them that he's planning on doing it again I mean, I you know, I, I mean, I I wouldn't say I mean, as much as we're on Antoine's side through the movie,
0: you also you're not shocked by the the series of events that happens to him. Like,
1: you know, he kept screwing up. You know, he he stole a typewriter from where his dad works, and he's going to attempt to take it back. I mean, you know, he's in trouble the second he decides to take it back.
0: Yeah, I I actually I, I, when that moment happened, I really I I was asking myself what would I would I have taken it back, because. The, the 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 risk of getting caught is astronomical i i mean but you know in that and of course in that mindset you don't you're not really thinking too rationally
1: <laughs> i mean i guess
0: the only last thing i would i mean it doesn't have to be the last thing because it's kind of a negative but i
1: well that's fine i mean i hit pretty much all the points i want if you want to go out on a negative that's well, okay no no
0: i mean i don't mean a negative i mean like a, just a, a harder part of the movie you know when they say that to, to go to this place they're going to have to transfer their or give up their paternal rights just seemed like a big not a big uh not logically not like a, a problem in the storytelling but such a huge decision to make that i'm that's tough man i mean I, I guess at what point do you really give up hope on your child that you're willing to just say that they're legally they're not my child anymore that's that's just a big decision to make. I yeah, don't want this to be the last thing that we see. Yeah,
1: I know it's it's rough, but I, I, there's also a great beat in that scene as well where she she tries to plead with the judge to put him somewhere near the sea. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and and I guess well, and you sorry, I I had this out earlier and I never came back to it. You talk about the score, I mean both melancholy but also very uplifting and fun, and I don't mean to acquit the two because they're both French films, but I thought a lot of Amelie, uh, with the score because there's parts of Amelie's score are very somber and down but like some of the main themes of amelie are really bright and upbeat and fun and there are parts of this movie are very bright and upbeat and fun and even though there's a sense of like mischievousness behind some of those moments it's still it's weird to call a movie that that kind of ends the way it does and has so many harsh moments and a fun movie but it, it is a fun movie it's
1: very coming of age in a way it's it's a maybe a harsh coming of age but it's still it's just great slice of life in the same way that we've recently had roma you know, I don't think I don't think we'd have something as good as Roma without the influence from from Truffaut. Yeah, although even the decision to shoot it in black and white. I I will say that
0: Roma does go into the realm of self indulgence. F- it is a little few times into that in that yeah. movie. Yeah, but but I, I still enjoyed I, I it you.
1: immensely. But yeah, it it is you. a little long.
0: Yeah, so I I mean I Ian
1: does. 400 blows deserve to be in the book absolutely yeah. and i cannot wait to see it again yeah I agree. and much more of Truffaut's work
0: yeah i yeah it, it's it's i'm glad that he's got a bunch in in the book and yeah i'm excited to as,
1: as soon as we can come back around to him the better yeah and
0: and you know and, and it's funny we both mentioned that we didn't watch this with our wives and and so maybe a rewatch of this will happen sooner than i even think because i do think i do think that our wives would like
1: this movie. I, yeah, do, I mean, and, I, and it's definitely on my list of criterions to buy.
0: Yeah, and you know what's funny? I this is what I picked. I mean, I didn't get as many this time around as I I normally do, but this is one I picked up during the subject because, like, we're you know we're going to talk about it. I it, I'm just going to do it. I just pull the trigger. And I'm, and, I, and yeah, this is one that definitely panned out. So I'm glad. How's I, the supplemental package on it? Because it doesn't look like a fairly fairly large one. There's not a lot. Um, there are some old interviews with him uh, that aren't too long. Uh, there are there are two commentary tracks which i know you you would do more than me um and I, I i didn't do those and there was some rare there was like some press footage at can and then some uh, audition footage of uh antoine i mean still a still a solid supplemental package
1: you yeah, yeah yeah
0: but but the rest i mean it's a it was it was a pretty movie to watch
1: on my tv I was very happy with the quality of it yeah. uh, have you have you owned a criterion that you would say you weren't happy with I mean, you didn't buy Sallow, but nobody should buy Sallow. Um,
0: I don't. I, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. Well, here's what I would say: is they're they're all good, but there have been a few that have been like above and beyond. Like I, it, and not and I won't like I'm not gonna say any of the more recent films like Pan's Labyrinth or like Royal Tenenbaums, because they're newer and, and they they're gonna look good. But like I would say the one that stands out to me the most, Easy Rider, looks fan fantastic fan
1: oh i i can't wait to buy that bbs box set and
0: and, and uh we, i mentioned this on the pod that that obviously the early test 60 millimeter stuff doesn't look any better yeah there's not you can't say but that. everything else looks real nice real nice so no this was to me this was this was between like i said between solid and great um great being for my for my example would be like the easy rider and good being like i thought seven seal was good but this, this was, this was, a good, this was better than good. Yeah. Somewhere between. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, my, my obscure ranking system. I should, but just stop talking now. Anyways. So yeah, that is a yes from both of us. I think the Foreigner blows absolutely should be in the book. And uh, as always, we would love to know what you think. So as we mentioned before, hit us up on the socials, like, subscribe, comment, all the good things on the places where you can find us, support us on Patreon. And until next time, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week.